Three times he said he asked God for deliverance in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And God, his own response is, Paul, my grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Centers or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. We've been talking the last few weeks on the grace and goodness of God, and today I want to end this series because next Sunday we'll have water baptism. We'll be talking about baptism. We'll be talking about, uh, you know, all the different things that the Lord has said that revolves and why baptism is so important. And then the next Sunday we'll start a new series. Uh, so it's going to be an exciting, exciting time. But in wrapping up this series this morning, I pray in, in, in the teaching and learning these last few weeks on the grace and goodness of God that it has helped us. Because the, the truth is, folks, without God's grace, we might as well hang it up. Paul, Paul said it this way, except for the grace of God. There go I. In your notes... Grace is a special word. Now, grace is something that we've used very loosely in society. We have what's called a grace period when you're paying your bills, okay? Uh, you have what is, what is called uh, a, a time of, of uh, well, they don't call it mercy. There's another name for it. But it's basically, they, they give you grace to uh, your bills due on this day and you can pay it within 10 days. They call it a grace period that they give you in traffic. The speed limit is, is 75 and you decide to do uh, 79 or 82 and most of the time the police won't pull you over. Most of the time. If they have grace. But can I tell you that word grace, the way the world uses it? Nothing. See, grace is a special word. Grace is the word that can only pertain to a child of God. The world uses it, but they don't understand it. They don't appreciate it. It just becomes just something they throw out there. They give you a little bit of grace, a little bit of unmerited favor or something you don't deserve. But the Bible teaches us that grace is the merciful kindness of God. Literally, when you study it through the original language... God's grace is literally His power that enables you and I to turn our lives to Christ and continually live by the Christian values which we are to live. 
It affects our knowledge. It affects our affections and our hope. You see, God's grace is, is so much more. This, this is what we call grace. This is what the Christian knows as grace. It is God's mercy, his kindness, his ever-loving fulfillment of his passion and purpose for your life and for mine. And as a matter of fact, I've already alluded to this, except for this wonderful God-given grace and goodness, we, like Paul, would be lost in every capacity of the word. I often pray, and, and my prayer is I was praying for somebody just this morning, and my prayer was just very simple. God, help. God, help. I know a lot of people, they want me to pray because they, Pastor, you always got the right words to say. Yep. And help was that word right then. There's many, many, many times in my life I just say, God, I need your grace. God, I need your grace. You see, it was the grace that took Jesus through Gethsemane. It was God's grace that took Paul to the ability, gave Paul the ability to live with that thorn in the flesh. It was God's grace that caused a man named Abraham to lift a knife, preparing to sacrifice it all. But it was God's grace, God's strength, God's power working in his life that enabled him to do what there's not a single person in this room could do without it. God's grace has been described as indescribable. God's grace has been described as unending mercy. Love without measure. So for a few moments, I want to conclude this series this morning by looking at God's grace and goodness in as succinct, purposeful, and passion-filled way that I can. First Timothy Paul is writing to a young man named Timothy who is going through great struggles. To understand Timothy, to, to really grasp what Timothy lived in. He lived in a city called Ephesus. He was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Most people think he was a teenager, a late teenager, 17, 18. Some people think he might have been 20, 22. But regardless, he was a very young man and, and Nero was on a rampage. He was killing Christians just to do it. He had made what we know now, and you can actually go over there and witness the famous hanging gardens. Well, Nero did not like the fact that his gardens were dark at night. So Nero decided, I got to figure out a way to light the garden. So he did. And he did it by impaling Christians and lighting them on fire. That's how he lit his garden at nighttime. There was great pleasure he took. But understand, this was the city Timothy is pastoring in. How many think Timothy might have a little bit of issue? Paul wrote, we know the passage very well, that God has not given you a spirit of fear, Timothy, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Well, Paul's writing to Timothy in, in chapter 1, verse 15 of 1 Timothy. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And now listen to Paul, whom I am chief. Timothy, you think you got struggles? 
You ought to try to walk in my shoes. I feel that I am the worst of the worst. Why? Because I used to kill the church. Just like Nero is doing, just like others, that's exactly what I used to do. But Paul came to a revelation of understanding of grace. And he knew how much he was forgiven. We have read about the woman with the alabaster box of ointment. She comes into Simon's house and the Bible says that she was a woman of the streets. But she came in with this alabaster box and she broke it. It was worth a great deal of money. But she broke it. And the Bible says that the sweet fragrance filled the room. Simon was, was disgusted, said, you know, this, if this man would have known who this woman was, he wouldn't even let her come in the room, let alone touch him like that. And then Jesus said to Simon, says, Simon, do you know anything at all? Do you know why this woman is giving so much? It's because she knows how much she was forgiven. Can I tell you the biggest issue we have with forgiveness is we forget how much we were forgiven. That's why it's so easy to hold things over people's heads. Because we forget that Jesus took it all off our head. When we start to think about how much we're forgiven, none of the rest of it really matters. See, this is what Paul's saying to Timothy. He said, Timothy, I know. I am the chief. I am the worst of the worst. But God showed me his grace. And that's why he recorded those words in 1 Corinthians 15. By the grace of God. I am what I am. By the grace of God. I want you to think about that just for a second. Because that could be your name instead of Paul. That could be my name instead of Paul. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought about your life without Christ, what it could be? What it would be? But thank God for His grace because He's making it what it should be. Can somebody say amen? And then Paul goes on and said, and, and, and understand, His grace towards me was not in vain. See, I understand, Paul says, how much I'm forgiven. I understand what God's power did in my life, what God's grace did in my life. And he said, because of that, I labor more abundantly than all of you. But then Paul comes back to grips to help us understand, yet it's not I, it is God's grace at work in me. The only way I can do what I do, people say, how can you, how can you pastor? How can you, how can you lead this? How can you lead? But by the grace of God. You see, it's God's grace that enables you and I You see here in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is defending the resurrection against doubt and unbelievers. He mentions the resurrected Christ was seen by Peter, was seen by 12, was seen by 500. It was seen that Jesus was seen by his earthly brother, James. And then the last time Jesus was seen in a public forum, if you will, was by Paul on the road to Damascus. When the Bible says that he appeared to Paul, blinded him, and set him on the course to see. Paul proceeds to tell his readers that because of his sins and because of his attacks on the church, 
that he felt he was the least of all the apostles and not even worthy to be called an apostle. Look, 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 look at Paul's life. And I guarantee you won't measure up a moment. Yet some of us in this room think we're the least. I've done this, I've done that, I've done the other thing. Oh God, how can you even look at me? God, how can you? Oh, but by his grace. His grace and goodness. Some of us sitting here, our minds are fleeting back to where we should be, where we would be, except for what Christ has done. Can somebody say amen? Paul goes throughout this course and says that he knows that God has used him and that anything he has, anything he is, or anything he ever will be is only by the grace and goodness of God. Oh, yes, this is not the word the world uses. This is a special word. That's for you. For you today, Al. God's grace. It's for you today. It is. It's for you today. It's for you. It's for you. It's for you. Because some of you are facing things that, what am I going to do? God, I need your grace. It's for you. He said, it's sufficient. It's all you need. It's for you, and it's for you, and it's for you. But you don't understand. God's grace is sufficient. Times that I would throw it all in and, and give it all up, except for God's grace. You see, as the title of your sermon tells you, all is restored by the grace and the goodness of God. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul said, I became a minister according to the gift of grace that God gave me and is working in me. To me who am least of all the saints, God gave me this grace that I should bring this message to the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches of Christ. See, Paul, throughout his life, he continued to realize, hey, I am what I am by the grace of God. I do what I do because of God's grace working in me. And in your life and mine, in the hour we live, I, 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 it doesn't matter. I could go through this person by person and I'd hear frustration. I'd hear aggravations. I'd hear irritations. I'd hear all kinds of anxieties. And the one word that I can give you that could change everything is grace. God's grace. God's grace. God's goodness. Each of us in this room has to come to the place to where we realize the same is true with us. Because of our sinfulness, we deserve nothing less than eternal separation from God. Yet because of His grace that was revealed through His Son, Jesus Christ, we can be saved and we can live a glorious Victorious life. Can I hear somebody say amen? God's grace, God's goodness. Man, there's sometimes I just, I kind of just bathe in it. Not because I'm anything special, but because I know that's the only reason I'm anything. It's because of His grace, because of His goodness. 
I have finances in the bank because of his grace, because of his goodness. I have food on my table because of his grace and his goodness. I have a beautiful wife who loves me because of his grace and his goodness. I have three Shih Tzu dogs at home that come and lick all over me because of his grace and his goodness. We have people like, like, like Anna that have graduated. We have people like, like, uh, like, uh, 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 Julie who has graduated. <laughs> See, this is what that old stuff does. I got to talk to God about that grace in my brain, you know, just, oh God. <laughs> you, 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 you got people all over the, in this room, family, friends, neighbors, relatives that, that have accomplished so much because of their own ability. No, because of God's grace working in your life and mine. See, Paul grabbed a hold of this in 2 Corinthians 12. He said, God, I got this problem, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of tormenting me. And I know that scholars over the years have said, well, you know, it's, it was a weakness. It was eyesight. It was this. And, and I know the scriptures they use to say, well, see, this proves that's what it was. All I know is the Bible says there was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet Paul so he wouldn't get caught up. And think he was all that in a bag of chips. Three times he said he asked God for deliverance in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And God, his own response is, Paul, my grace is sufficient for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That word strength in other translations comes forth and says, for my grace is made perfect in your weakness, my power, therefore, Paul said, I'll rather boast in my infirmities. I will boast in the Lord my God that his power, that his grace and goodness may rest upon me. Would I be fair to say that we all have weaknesses? Look at me for a second. Your pastor has weaknesses. I know that shocks you. Okay, didn't shock anybody. Yeah. But you know what I figured? Others have put up with mine so tolerantly. How fair would I if I wouldn't make reasonable discounts for theirs? Now think about that for a minute. I'm pointing this right back at me. But what about you? Anybody here would be honest and say, Pastor, I have one or two weaknesses? Go ahead, lift your hand. Well, we got a few honest folks. That's good. We'll have altar call for liars later. It wasn't in my notes. That one was free. When somebody falls short and messes up in front of you, don't you think you should extend that same grace? I sure am glad. I wouldn't be pastoring very well if people didn't extend it to me. You know, I, people say, well, pastor, gosh, I've never, I've never, well, you haven't followed me for five minutes and I'm being lenient. You want to find a mistake? Just follow this guy around. Amen. (laughs) Folks, we share good company. The guy's name is Paul. He said, I am the least of the least. I have messed up. But in God's grace and goodness, Jesus said, you know what? I love you in spite of you. 
I love you in spite of your messes up, your, your mistakes, your weaknesses. I'm reading in Lamentations chapter 3 and, and uh, Jeremiah he, he is, you read the whole chapter of Lamentations, or chapter 3, and he is, just, he is just really upset at all the things that the wicked are able to accomplish and, and the blessings and seemingly all the good things. And then he comes into the 18th verse. And he said, My strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. All I can do is think about my roamings and my afflictions, the wormwood and the gall. The struggles, the sufferings. Can I tell you, if that's all you spend time thinking about, it's enough to want to put a needle in your eye. But I got a lot of good things to think about. Matter of fact, chapter 4 of Philippians tells us to think about whatever is wonderful and, and good and trustworthy and honest. If there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. Do you know why sometimes we have no peace in our life? It's because we're thinking about all the garbage. If all you do is think about how bad you are or how bad you've done... That would take anybody down. But look at, look at Jeremiah. He said, still, my soul remembers. And this is what I recall to my mind. And it's in this I have hope. Look at your notes. The Lord's mercies is because of them. His grace and His goodness were not consumed. Because of his compassions that do not fail. But every morning, they're brand new. And you know what God says? I'll be faithful. Even when you're faithless. Even when you think you have nothing good to think about. God said, I'll remind you if you just ask me. You see, once again, I'll go back to Timothy. Paul said, God hasn't given you that spirit of fear, Timothy. That fear of insecurity or timidity. Or inability. He's given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. You can find this in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. And then he goes on in the 8th verse and he says, Timothy, let me encourage you. Stir up those gifts. Stir up the remembrances of what God has done in your life. Think about the grace and goodness. Hey, Pastor, man, you're pretty passionate about this. This is the, the fuel of my life. If I spend all day just thinking about the bad stuff, whoa. As pastors, especially as leaders along the same lines, you've got to think of what God has done, what he is doing, and then rest your heart on what he is yet going to do. Can somebody say Amen. There was an entire town that was devastated in 1994, Springdale, Arkansas, a place close to where I used to live many, many years ago. Two young boys had rode their bikes down to a hardware store that day to make amends for some wrong that they have done. They'd been caught shoplifting, and the hardware store owner didn't want to punish them, but he wanted to 
have the boys learn a lesson. And so to make restitution, the, the boys were taken to his, his, uh, his uh, warehouse to do some work. Well, boys being boys, one of them climbed up onto a forklift and by accident ran over the other boy, killing him. Paramedics couldn't save the injured boy's life and the boy on the forklift could not undo the accident. The man who owned the warehouse was a former pastor of a local church and he couldn't do anything to reassign the boys to another area to take the tragedy away. You see, what had happened had happened. But then God's grace began to move and came into an entire city and they all came together and they understood this stuff happens in life. They shored each other up. They helped each other. They encouraged each other. They restored each other. Only by God's grace can you face these things. You see something about death. That's why Paul in Romans chapter 8, when he was talking about things separating us from God, the very first thing he said, what, can ship, what, what shall be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? His very first thing was, shall death? See, he went right to the heart. Right to the thing that, that we fear the most, the thing that consumes us the most, is that day of mortality, that day of finality. You see, when, when death comes, we have to turn to God's sovereignty. We can do nothing to change it, but accept that in the sovereignty of God, He allows things to happen. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you've been. But you've been through stuff. You've, things have happened in your life. And if you are in the grace of God, if you are under the goodness of God, you have to come and understand God's sovereignty. And for whatever reason God allowed it, whatever reason God uh, sat down and, and let you go through what you're going through, where you're at, you've got to sit down and say, okay, God, this is yours. I don't understand. I don't even agree with it. But I do know that God sees past today and as far into the future as forever. And he says, if you'll let me, I'll take even what's bad and turn it around for good because I'll give you my grace. I'll give you my ability that'll work in your life. You see, God's sovereignty literally encapsulates you and I. And it's encapsulated by grace and goodness. His compassions. His compassions. Fail not. Every morning they're brand new. Romans chapter 11. How great is God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible is it for us to understand. His decisions. His ways. I'm going to. Begin to. Wrap this up by saying a few things this morning. I want to take you into John chapter 3 verse 16. We know the passage very well. It's on the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, that's the person sitting in your chair, would believe in him. Would not perish. But have everlasting life. Now let me break this down in the picture 
of God's grace and God's goodness. For God, the greatest giver. Nobody in all of creation has ever given more. So loved, which is the greatest motive in your life and mine. He loved me this much. How could I love any less? The world, the greatest need of all eternity. God created mankind. Mankind fell. It came into a place of, of uh, ear repair, if you will. But God loved the world so much that he gave. Oh, not just anything. What is giving when you got all those around that don't deserve? Wouldn't that be considered the greatest gift? The Bible says, while I was still a sinner, Christ died. He didn't ask me to get cleaned up. He didn't ask me to get fixed up. He said, I'm going to give you the greatest gift. And what gift was that? His only son. The greatest act of selflessness. He said, I'll give you my all for yours. That whoever, whoever, there's lots of religions that teach only certain people can be saved. Only those that do this, that, or the other thing. Well, Titus says that this word, this way, is not by works of righteousness that I have done, but it's according to his mercy that I'm saved. That whosoever, the greatest invitation known to mankind, would simply believe in him. Believe, as we talked about on Wednesday night in our, in our adult Bible class, it's not a passive word. Belief is an active word. To believe means I dedicate my life. I, I dedicate everything that I want. I desire my hopes, my dreams, my ambitions. I believe in Him and I give it to Him. The greatest opportunity that we have in life to go from nothing to something. Because following that is that they should never perish. You see, that is the greatest deliverance. Never perish. Did you know the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that he who, is, who knows Christ, that is born again, the second death will have no power over you? What, is, what does that mean, Pastor? The second death is the eternal separation from God. That's what's going to happen when Satan and his followers are thrown into hell. People, oh, hell, pastor, God didn't, God wouldn't. You're right. He didn't make it for us. He said he made it for the devil and his angels. But all those that reject this great deliverance follow suit. And the greatest possession is we get eternal life. Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote one of the most beautiful songs that I've ever heard in my life because it was my life and it was your life. And the words are very simple. Something beautiful, something good. All of my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him, 
was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful out of my life. As the worship team comes, let me try to describe the grace and goodness of God. In Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, It's by grace I'm saved. In chapter 1, verse 7, everything that I hope to have, the redemption, the forgiveness, is by the riches of His grace. You see, the Bible says it's by God's grace that I'm saved. It's by God's grace that I'm saved. And it's by God's grace that I am made sure, confident. In Romans chapter 5, verse 2, it says, By faith, into this grace, this is how I stand. Every single day of my life, it's because of God's grace. Next, I'm made secure by God's grace. Justified freely, Romans 3.24 says, by His grace. Justified. I have been made right before God, not because I deserved it, but because He loved me. Oh, for the grace and goodness of God. (coughs) And when I go through the, the difficulties, the Bible says that I'm strengthened by God's grace. The scripture tells Paul that his grace is sufficient. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, he says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound in all goodness and good works. That's a lot of all. And this is by God's grace. The very supply of my life. What does that mean? Well, Hebrews 4 says it this way. When I have need, when I have nothing, I can come boldly to his throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help in that time. Something that really lifts me, encourages me every day is when the world tells me I'm nothing. Let me tell you, God says I'm somebody because of his grace. I'm somebody. Paul said in Ephesians 3, you know, I've been made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God that was given to me. He said, I'm the least of the least, but God gave me His grace. Ephesians 2. He said, my life will be satisfied because of grace. That he may show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward those that love him. And finally, this I wanted to leave for last because... My wife says when God does things, it just makes her giggle. I am surprised by God's grace. I'm surprised by God's grace. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, I was a 
apostle born out of due time. I'm the least and not even worthy to be called this apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Listen to me. Look at me, please. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what your past was. Your past is past. It's time to get past your past. Well, you know, it it keeps showing up in my present because you keep opening the door. You know why the Bible calls us overcomers? It's because we chose to come over to grace. Look what Paul said. But by God's grace, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. Because I understand, but the grace of God is working in me and with me. Today, if I've been able to do nothing in this series, I want you to know, Jesus loves you. He's not mad at you. He's not irritated at you. You say, Pastor, I sure do stupid well. How many can raise their hand and say, I do too. I got mine up, not because I'm asking you to raise yours. I do it well. Oh, but God's grace. God's grace. I remember growing up, you know, uh, in Christ when I became a young pastor. You know, I'd have other pastors tell me, well, you need to do this, 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 and this. And I figured I'd do it the right way. My way. God's way. And I'd run flat into a wall. How many ever ran into a wall and you saw it right before you already? But you know something I think that happens? is because God knew that wall was there too. And he knew that you were going to run into it. He put a little padding on it called grace and he said okay go ahead and be stupid can I use that word in church okay I just did go ahead some of us had to learn the hard way not our college guys I, I, gals I know you, you guys but some of us said just like you are just as I am without one plea but that I'd love was shed for me and listen to this he's bidding us to come he's bidding us to come to the homeland of oh God, I come. I come. We're going to sing the next verse in just a moment, but just listen to me. Where are you right now? Remember in the Garden of Eden? The Bible says that Adam and Eve used to walk together with God in the Garden. And then one day they didn't walk anymore because they had bitten into the fruit of the tree that God told them don't. 
And so they did like many of us do. We start running and hiding from God. We feel guilt and condemnation and all this different stuff. And God comes walking in the garden. You notice that God didn't send lightning bolts from heaven. He didn't send bears and wolves and monsters to come in and kill them. God comes walking in the garden and say, Kids, where are you? Even then, God wasn't mad at them. He said, guys, hey, hey, it's time for our morning walk. Where are you? You notice it wasn't God that said, oh, you did this, that, oh, 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 you, you don't under. No, God said, what's going on? Then Adam shows up and says, well, God, we were hiding because we thought you'd be mad at us. Yes, there's repercussions. Yes, there's responsibility. But do you know why God was asking Adam where he was? The same reason he asked you, why do you feel the way you feel right now? Why do you think the way you think you right now? I haven't changed the way I feel about you. Maybe the devil's trying to get you to change the way you feel about me. See, God wasn't asking Adam where he was because God didn't know where Adam was. God was asking Adam where he was because God wanted Adam. Do you realize where you are? It's time to come out. It's time to come back. The prodigal father never went after the child, but he watched and waited and prayed and believed. And when he saw a great distance off, the Bible says he ran. Because the dad wasn't mad at him. He knows that we're dust. He knows that we're sinners. He knows that we blow it. He just says, come back. Maybe you're here today. Something's keeping you away. Oh, you come to church. You put on the Christian smile. But you're so far away that you wonder if anybody knows. Oh, I might not. Pastor Philemon, Pastor Ray, the lead. They may not. But Jesus does. And he says, kids, why don't you just come home? I want to give you my grace and goodness. I want to give you my grace and goodness. As we sing this next verse, I'm going to open these altars just for a moment. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, if you're carrying something, I'm not talking about you're turned away from God, but you've got junk on your shoulders. Pastor Philemon started talking about it at the beginning of service. You've got weights, you've got burdens. It's time to let God give it to you. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know why? Because he's padded it with grace and goodness. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. 
I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win.